Let us pray. Spark a fire within us, God, that calls us to your mission of true peace. Give us courage and commitment to be your people. And hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. Hear now the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke. I came to cast fire upon the earth. How I wish that it was already ablaze. I have a baptism I must experience. How I am distressed until it's completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, I have come instead to bring division. From now on, a household of five will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will square off against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. This is the word of God for the people of God. It's a little hesitant there. I noticed that. Zechariah, if you remember, he's John the Baptist's father. And when he speaks of the coming Messiah early in Luke's gospel, he says that the Messiah will come to guide our feet in the ways of peace. And then when Jesus is born, a whole host of angels celebrates his arrival with choruses of peace on earth. And then the resurrected Jesus, when he greets his disciples, does so with the words, peace be with you. Jesus is referred to in scripture as the Prince of Peace. So what the heck's going on here? What's all this business about dividing families? One of the latest buzzwords in recent years in both business and politics is disruptor. The Cambridge English Dictionary defines disruptor as a person or thing that prevents something, especially a system, process, or event, from continuing as usual or as expected. In an article in Forbes magazine last year, Mark Murphy makes the distinction between being a positive disruptor versus merely disruptive. It's an important distinction, I think. I mean, we've all suffered or witnessed destructive disruption that seems to serve no good purpose. A positive disruptor would be a person or thing that disrupts the status quo for the purpose of sparking a positive change in an established system. That could be business, social, political, even religious. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? Jesus asks. No, I tell you, instead I bring division. Some trans translations say I've come to disrupt. Not everyone would agree, especially some of those that Jesus is addressing in this particular passage, but I would argue that Jesus is a positive disruptor. 
Jesus disrupts the social, political, and especially the religious systems of his time for the purposes of bringing peace, a true, authentic peace. And true peace disrupts, it seems. Life can actually be more volatile as we pursue true peace. Vernon Johnson wrote a best-selling book about, uh, which outlines a path to recovery for those who are uh, suffering from addiction. The book's called I'll Quit Tomorrow. In it, he recounts a story of a family who lives in an alcoholic household with an alcoholic father. And though they are absolutely miserable living with the drama and the secrets that are characteristic of an alcoholic household, they avoid confrontation. They avoid confronting the truth head on because they're afraid of the consequences. The alcoholic's wife, she's afraid that confronting her husband will result in divorce. One of the sons is afraid that his college education will be threatened if he confronts the father. And then there's a 16-year-old daughter, and she's simply afraid of her father's volatility, his anger, which apparently is quick to flare anytime he's challenged. In an alcoholic household, it is often the case that in an attempt to maintain peace, the truth is avoided. Sometimes it's flat out denied. And though it is a counterfeit peace that often forges resentments and anger, even depression, though the family lives under an oppressive burden, they are sometimes desperate to protect the status quo because the alternative will disrupt their whole lives, sparking consequences that are nearly impossible to predict. So they keep the peace at the expense of true peace because true peace disrupts. Jesus is preaching to a crowd of thousands, Scripture says, including his disciples, and he, y'all, is disrupting left and right. He is on a roll. Don't be hypocrites, he warns. Confess the truth of the good news that I bring and do it fearlessly. Nothing matters but God's kingdom. We must usher it in regardless of any personal cost that we must bear. Jesus is talking to a crowd of Jews and he insists that they make a decision. Will they open themselves to the truth of who he is and what this gospel that he proclaims, this peace that he promises requires of them or not? Will they claim and proclaim a truth that they're well aware will cause division? It's going to cause conflict and a lot of it. And not just broadly or generally speaking, but very likely even within their closest relationships. Will they embrace truth that is so disruptive that families might split over it? It's a lot to ask. The community of Jews are in crisis, a crisis of faith for sure, that will likely divide their whole community, father from son, mother from daughter, mother-in-law from daughter-in-law, which might be easier to understand. <laughs> One son 
the eldest in the alcoholic family I mentioned, finally seeks help with a counselor who specializes in intervention. It's a huge risk and it takes a whole lot to convince the few family members who haven't already deserted them because of this mess to agree. But as he confronts them with the truth of their situation that the father may very likely die if they continue to perpetuate this status quo, they find the courage to confront him, to disrupt the illusion of peace for the sake of true peace, a disruption that absolutely has the potential to divide what's left of their family and it has the potential to bring authentic peace. Jesus himself is divided from the community that he grew up in. It happens when he announces his mission from God, when he proclaims the truth of who he is. Maybe you remember reading Luke chapter four. In this section of scripture, Jesus returns to his hometown and he goes to church just like he normally did growing up. And then he stands up to read scripture and someone hands him a scroll that contains the words of the prophet Isaiah. And as he unrolls it, he looks for a specific passage and then reads that passage. It's a passage about the arrival of the Messiah. When he's finished reading, he rolls up the scroll and he announces to the congregation, this scripture has been fulfilled within your hearing today. The scroll describes the Savior as one who will bring good news to the poor, as one who will set the captives free, as one who will give sight to the blind, which excites and amazes those who are listening at first until Jesus points out that this salvation, it's not just for them. This salvation is for all people, Jews and non-Jews. And this good news, this news that is so freeing for those who are captive, that such good news for those who are poor, those who are sick, it might require something of the rich and the healthy and the free. Suddenly, this doesn't seem like such great news to everyone who's there. And the crowd, Scripture said, is filled with anger. They begin to chase Jesus out of town they chase him to the top of a hill where he narrowly escapes before they're able to thrust him over the cliff. Y'all, a ministry that seeks to reconcile those with competing interests, a ministry that seeks true peace, it can't be realized without justice. And true peace born of justice absolutely disrupts relationships it disrupts social and political and religious systems that are dependent on the old status quo. True peace disrupts because, and because it does, oftentimes we settle for a counterfeit peace because it's easier. Until a moment of crisis, lights of fire and sparks our earnest pursuit of that peace. We've seen this happen in our very own United Methodist Church. At General Conference 2019, it brought us to a moment of crisis as a church and it sparked a fire that has set us in pursuit 
of what we hope will be true peace. We see examples of it in the news all the time. Here in our country, around the world, where people are finally confronted so uh, fully with an injustice that they can no longer tolerate it anymore. They're willing to confront. Fred Craddock was a highly respected preacher in the Christian church and a professor of preaching and New Testament studies at the Candler School of Theology at Emory University. And he said, Jesus is the crisis of the world. And by crisis, he means a moment or occasion of truth and decision about life. To be placed in the position of decision is critical, Craddock says, because anytime we turn toward one person or goal, we turn away from another. Often such a decision disrupts the status quo so much so that divisions occur and, rela and relationships are ruptured. One biblical scholar when commenting on today's scripture, notes that although the kingdom of God is characterized by reconciliation and peace, the announcement of that kingdom is always divisive because it requires decision and commitment. Another scholar wonders if maybe the words that Jesus speaks in this passage are more descriptive than prescriptive. Maybe it's not Jesus's mission or purpose to bring division, but that's just what happens. That's just the natural consequence of the true peace that he calls us to, a, a peace that requires decision, that requires deep commitment to truth and justice. Y'all, the one who calls us to this decision who calls us to this commitment is not without his own crisis. I came to cast fire upon the earth and how I wish that it were already ablaze, Jesus laments. Because, he says, I have a baptism I must experience and how I am distressed until it is completed. As I've dug deeper into this particular text, these words have begun to evoke visions for me of a very dark night in Gethsemane. Jesus, flat on his face in the dirt, sweating tears, begging God, take this cup. His is an urgent and critical mission. He's been sent by God to proclaim a peace that disrupts, that calls us to our own personal spiritual crisis, that calls our social and political and religious systems to confront the injustices that are perpetuated by the status quo, that prevent the manifestation of true peace, God's peace, a peace born only when there is justice for all people. And this baptism he must experience, y'all, it is not a dunk in a pool of cool, refreshing water. If only the fire I came to set were already ablaze, if only the spirit of truth, the fire that burns away 
All deceit that purifies hearts were already kindled. If only it had already done its work, then maybe this baptism wouldn't be necessary. Maybe this baptism in which Jesus is immersed fully in all our sin, maybe it wouldn't be essential. Jesus confronts the truth of who he is and what he's called to do. He accepts his mission and he proclaims the gospel. He proclaims news that disrupts everything and everyone who hears it. It certainly disrupts Jesus' life. Still, he makes a decision. And y'all talk about commitment. He commits his very life to the way of true peace. Will we choose the peace of Christ? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for your son Jesus Christ who was so committed to your vision for your creation that he gave his very life that we might pursue the peace that you long for in our lives and in this world. God, give us courage that we might work alongside you to usher in that peace. God, as we offer back to you out of the many gifts that you have given us, we pray that you would inspire us to generosity, that you are able to bless and direct so that all those we encounter might come to know the Prince of Peace. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.